You wonder? Wonder. Wonder, wonder, wonder. Just joking with you guys. Oh, wrong glasses. Those are the long ones. Uh, you know, I mean, this is the other ones are reading. That will happen to you, trust me. No, I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't happen to you. So, it, it was, when I was sitting here and the thing went off, the first thing I said is, oh, God, and then I heard the, the Lord say to me, are you relying on this? Are you relying on that? Are you relying on me? And I'm telling you that I'm relying on him. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Everything happens. Now here I'm going to, can I do a little skit? <laughs> skit, guys. You want a skit? Okay, here we go. I'm going to read this. I'll start my sermon off. It's on testimony. So, when Paul got saved, when the Apostle Paul got saved, I'm going to start here in verse 26, chapter 9. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, and on his journey, had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And in the, in the persecuted world, the church is not like here. It's not like here. Not in Middle East, not where you're being persecuted. When you're being persecuted, in the, and they have their fellowships, if somebody were to come in, they just don't come in. They're tested. They're tested. And they're tested whether they're fake or not. Because some of them will come in and destroy the whole church or have the pastor put in prison. How many people believe that? That's the persecuted world. We're not living in that kind of world. But here we go. This is the questions they would probably ask. Okay. If you guys feel uncomfortable who I pick, just say I'm not comfortable and I'll move on then I have to kick you out of the fellowship. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Okay, are we ready? Two questions that the, in, the, in the, the persecuted church would ask. I've been checking this out. The first question is this. And who am I going to hit? And remember, if you feel uncomfortable, just say, I feel uncomfortable. I'll bypass you, okay? I just want to, I want to do it in a way where I don't put somebody in, and I know they can handle this, right? Let me see. 
No, but think, eh? Just think, eh? If you guys are real Christians, eh? Real believers, eh? You'll have no problem with these two questions. No problem. If you're real believers, okay? If you're a real believer, you'll have no problem with it. And here it is, okay? Uh, Tim. Are we ready? And if you don't feel comfortable, tell me, I don't feel comfortable. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> He's very, I picked the right guy, man. <laughs> Here it goes. How do you know? Give me two evidences, two evidences that you have received a new birth. Two evidences. And you got two minutes to do it, because if you don't do it in two minutes, you're filling in. That means you're fake. <laughs> two minutes. That's what they'll do. Because you fill in your thinking. Two minutes should come like that. Two evidences you have received the new birth. You that's, one, that's one thing. No, but you, you, you asked. He, he did it good. You're in. You're in. Okay, you are in. No, he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. That is perfect. Uh, hey, think of it. His answer is perfect. Struggle. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay? And I did, why I said only one? Because I want to get somebody else. I do. I really do. And... Uh, Again, how do you know you have the new birth? You can't take his answer now. How do you know you have the new birth? What are the evidences that you have received the new birth? Okay? Uh, I'm going to ask Joel. Well, uh, two things. Oh, good. Amen. You are welcomed into the fellowship. <laughs> but we may laugh, eh? But in the persecuted world, they test. You have to. There's secret police and all that stuff. And people have to have that testimony. A testimony. Something that makes them... Even sometimes in the persecuted world, some of these people... They don't even have to talk. They know Jesus so well that they have given everything up. It just shines through them. 
They don't even have to talk. Because the more you give up, the more you get Jesus. And the persecuted world knows this. Because they have nothing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that we have so much freedom in this world. Help us, each one of us, to use our freedom to the maximum to glorify you. And even so, Lord, put it on our hearts to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. Put it on our hearts, not out of guilt, but out of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, my thing today, I don't have anything, and I like that too. I don't like, and honestly, I like just going free. If we are believers, all of us, which I assume, we need to tell, let people know how the gospel has changed our lives. We need. If the gospel has changed your life, you need to tell somebody. Lost people. Because they have no refuge whatsoever. We do. Right now they're just freaking with this, uh, uh, I don't even know how to say the name. It, it's, that's it. They're freaking. The whole world is freaking. It's coming. Uh, we don't have to be afraid. Jesus warned us of this. Pestilence is coming. Eh, if you die, you go to heaven. If you don't, it's a, mirror, it's a testimony to the glory of God. I just want to just tell you this. Before we do get into a testimony from God, I want to this word conviction is a very uncomfortable word for a lot of people. And right, rightly so, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, not a man, not somebody playing games, but when the Spirit of God convicts you, he, convi- conviction is convincing you you've sinned. So he just, he convinces you that you're doing something wrong before him. That's the uncomfortable word for conviction. The, conviction is comfortable. There's two sides of this. There's one of heads and tails. Heads is, it's very uncomfortable, but tails, it can be very comfortable. And you know where that is? It's comfortable because the Holy Spirit comes and he convinces us that we're children of God. He convinces us that we are forgiven. He convinces us that when we have went so far that we think God has written us off, the Holy Spirit comes and convinces us, I'm still with you. How many people have had that happen to them? And you've done nothing to deserve it. That's the blessing of conviction, positively. He tells you, you're mine. Nobody can touch you. Not even pestilence. Nothing. Nothing can hurt you. And so, if you have that kind of conviction that you're his, then you have a testimony from God. You can tell anybody. You can be fearless in this. Now, we look at the woman's testimony. Was her experience with Christ in, uh, if you've got a Bible, you might want to follow me. In John chapter 4, we're going through the woman at the well. And it's uh, the woman's testimony from, was her experience with Christ. In John chapter 4, verse 39, it says this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. 
Because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. And I believe a believer, a real believer, really knows this. Really knows this. As someone who's had an experience with God, just like this woman, where Christ told her everything she ever did. And I think that when you become a believer, you know you can't hide from God. He knows everything you've done. Everything. And he still accepts you through the blood of Jesus. Now, I want to read this to you. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a doctor, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a real physician, but he became a preacher. And boy, some of the stuff he said, let me read this to you. This fits. Others say that that a Christian is a man who has had a marvelous experience. Ah, yes, but there are cults that can give people experiences, and they are very wonderful. A Christian, says another, is a man whose life has been entirely changed. I know, but the psychotherapist can do that and the cults can do that. Then again, a Christian, according to some people, is a man who has taken a decision. Yes, but you can take take many sorts of decisions to be better and to live better and to join a church and to do a thousand and one other things, yet clearly there are many people who have done all that and still are not Christians. While others maintain a Christian is one who has had a sort, some sort of vision, who has seen a ball of light or something like that. No, there are many people who have had that, that kind of experience, but who clearly cannot be admitted as Christians. They do not believe the very elements of the Christian faith. They have had the oddest and most strange and eerie experiences and have been conscious of some strange power coming into them and upon them. Ah, yes, but if you read books on spiritism and spiritualists, phenomena written by spiritists, you will find that they can duplicate all that. And most outstanding, outstanding things can and do happen. It would be folly to deny the testimony to such things, which has been given by eminent scientists like Sir William Crookes and Sir Oliver Lodge of various, and various other people. So I'm not prepared to accept any of these statements as being determinative of whether they are Christians or not. What is it then that makes a man a Christian? Well, surely it is the realization of the fact that God has given a revelation of his own glory in the face of Jesus Christ. God who commanded light to shine out of darkness had shined in our hearts. What for? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. A Christian is a man who believes that. A Christian is a man who believes that. A Christian is a man who has experienced that in a measure or to a certain extent. This is the thing that constitutes the Christian. Not a change of life. Mm, Not repentance. Not a change of life or habits or a behavior changed. Not merely being religious. Not merely attempting to worship God. No, it is the realization that God has done this and has given this manifestation of his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, and you've saw it. It has touched your heart. You know who Jesus is. And you know, a man with an experience like this 
is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I don't care how smart he is. I've been around a lot of smart people. And because of what God has done in my life, they can't refute what I know. Something happened to me. Like that blind man. I don't understand it. I was blind, now I see. You tell me. But this man, Jesus, touched me. Oh, he touched me. He touched me. If you have an experience with Christ like this, then you have become his witness. If you have an experience, what I've just read, I'm not talking about anything that you can do. You can read your Bible, you can change. Hey, there's people who can quit smoking and quit drinking, quit doing drugs. That doesn't make them believers. What makes a person a believer is that they have seen the glory of Christ in their heart. And they've changed. But God's done it inside. Not from the outside. And I, I often, you know, go to this guy because this is a theme that I love to do. I guess what? I was going to elders meeting. Listen, this is what happens, man. And I want to tell you something. Like, you cannot copy my way of doing things because God has made me like this. I eat. I breathe this stuff. Ask my family. I think things like this. This is the way I've been made. But my job is to equip and fire you up to do this, to try it. I'm walking into the Tim Hortons yesterday, and I'm just going to have a coffee. I don't know. And if God does this to you, please obey the Holy Spirit. Because it's an adventure. Don't be afraid. I'm walking in, and this guy, this uh, guy, he, he, I don't know, he just looks at me, and he goes, like that. And I go, <laughs> and I'm wondering, what the? He just smiled at me. And I don't even know him. Fragrance of life. And then you get people who frown at you. Fragrance of death. Anybody with me? I walked it, and I just walked up. I hear God going back and see this guy. What do you want me to do, Lord? Here, my track, spiritual life. Tell him, tell him that he needs. And I said, really? Okay, so I go up to him, and I'm walking up, and the guy, I think he's really nervous, and he's coming up, and, he go, and, he, and I go, hey, what's your name? And he goes, Rod. And I go, Rod, God just spoke to me in my heart, told me to give you this thing. And he looks at me, and he goes, thanks a lot. Thank you very much. And then he says, I needed that. Now, I don't know what happened, but I said, I'll pray for you. And he said, thanks. And he walked away. His name is Rod. I started praying for him. When the Holy Spirit does those things to you, God is not saying that we should look for the results. Be obedient to my voice. Because God is always talking to us. All of us. If you're a believer... He's always speaking to you. And the reason why is because he wants to reach the lost. Now that he's saved you, 
If you get that virus, big deal. You'll be in heaven. But what he wants is people that are lost that get the virus. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So he's after those people like you would not believe. You need to listen to his voice. He knows. And we might not see it, but in heaven, the guy might say, the track he gave to me, do you remember? I got saved. Just be obedient. That's all I'm saying to the Holy Spirit, not the people, to the Spirit of God. And, and, and if you're saved, you've got a testimony. Because if this guy opened up to me and says, why'd you do it? That's it. Boom. Got him. It's fishing for men. That's what we're doing. We're fishing for men. What a wonderful thing. And if you're, hey, if you're a witness, if you have a testimony, you are a witness. Am I right? If you have a testimony, you're a witness, right? If you saw something, a car accident, you're, you see the testimony, you, you have a testimony about it. So you're a witness. Am I right? Listen to, listen to Reedhead. How do you know whether or not you're a valid witness? Listen to this. Have you heard God speak through his word concerning his holiness and righteousness? I could stop there. Have you really heard, through when you read your Bible, do you see Jesus' holiness and righteousness? Do you see it? That's really, that will send you worshiping God. Have you ever caught a glimpse of your own heart? Really? Yesterday in the elders meeting, man, somebody's praying, and all of a sudden I get so convicted with my own heart. Ever have that happen to you? I just got on my knees and I said, Lord, it's so true, man. My, my, myself is so awful, it's rotten right to the core. That's a witness. God is witnessing with my thing. You're alive. You're alive. I don't like that, but I like it. Does that make sense? I don't like it, but I like it. I like to be convicted, but I don't like it. We're a traitor, a rebel, an anarchist, a transgressor, an enemy of the cause of Christ. Have you ever heard Jesus say to you, come unto me and rest? Have you ever come? Do you find cleansing? Do you find forgiveness? Do you experience the new birth? Have you heard the witness of the Spirit inviting you to call? Almighty God, Abba Father. Then you are a witness. As a witness, you are to tell what you've seen, heard, and experienced. Hear that? Seen? You've seen Jesus? you heard Jesus? You've experienced the new birth. You're a witness. We don't need answers to all the questions. That's where fear comes in in evangelism. I have to have all the answers. No, you don't. Tell them what God did for you. We don't need to know them. All we need to do is to tell what God has done in us and for us. That's all. No one in the world can contradict you about yourself. If you really have had an experience, then you're an authority on you. To anyone in the world, you can say, this is what I saw, like the blind man. This is what I heard. This is what I experienced. That is witnessing. But you will receive power, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be what? My witnesses. And it's funny, I never saw it before in elders meeting. You will be, it doesn't say you will do. You will be my witnesses. That means it's God's business. You just be there. And God will do it. And don't forget too, a witness in the Greek for the, for the root word is martyr. 
So a witness is a martyr, and a martyr can do nothing, only die for, faith, for Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all you are. You die. And Jesus works through all of us. We're witnesses. It's true, too. It's so powerful if you think of being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's awesome. It's just awesome, man. And, 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 but here's where it gets real heavy. There's nobody in this room that can be a witness without the Spirit of God. And Andrew Murray says, dependence on the Holy Spirit is the first and essential element of success. And what you just said is true. I depend on him. It's so true. When you're an evangelist, listen, and this, is, this came up in the elders' meeting. I like our elders' meeting. I really do. I learned so much, it's not funny. I picked their brains, and they picked my brains. But I learned a lot. You know what I learned? The gift of evangelism and witnessing is not the same. Everyone in this place is a witness for Christ. Like it or not, as soon as you join his army, you're a witness for Jesus. Gift of evangelism is way different. Way different, I've learned. Not everybody has that. But everybody can be a witness. And do we ever need the dependence of the Holy Spirit witnessing? I, I talk to people on the phone. Uh, I don't think uh, I could do what uh, that guy Philip did in the Bible. Well, I don't think he could do it either unless he had the Holy Spirit. I think that the Bible is trying to tell us that no man can do anything unless they do it through the Spirit. I think that God has to do a breakthrough in everybody's heart, in this room, my, room, my heart, to we would depend on the Spirit. Easy to say those things. But when we're out there and we're having a coffee or, or my, somebody's in my condominium and, and, and they walk by to ask the Holy Spirit, what should I say? Or should I say anything? Are we always in contact with him? He knows exactly what's going on inside the other human being. Do, do you believe that? This is evangelism. When you're so caught up in it, it's like you're zeroed in on everybody. That's evangelism. Evangelism, not, knocking on doors, not, you can knock on doors, yeah, you can do whatever you want. But evangelism is when the Holy Spirit is really using you, working through you. You're always in connection with Him. Some of the most adventurous times is when I'm with the Spirit of God. It's incredible. And I'm not really there yet. Far from it. Like, Philip, uh, go by the chariot. Okay, look what he's reading. Okay, ask that question. Man, do I want to get there. By the Spirit, the church will be able to carry out the Lord's commands. When the Holy Spirit takes the place that was given to him in the early church, we may expect his power to be manifested as it was in those days. You shall receive power after, the, after that the Holy Ghost is to come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me unto the uttermost part of the earth. This is what I wanted to read. These were the last words of our Lord on the earth. The fullness of the Spirit will be given only in connection. Listen to this, please. The fullness of the Spirit will, given, will be given only in connection with the extension of the kingdom. Catch this now. The fullness of the Spirit is not just for us to feel good or just to be, you know, whatever. It's for battle. It's for battle. And battle is to reach these people. 
The devil does not want anybody saved. That's why there's gates of hell around them. And the church is on the offense. And when we start to cry out, Ryan, like we were talking, when we cry out, God moves. When we cry out and we're in the battle, and we, he's there. He's fighting for us. When we just sit back and, no, there's nothing happening. He's not going to fill you. There's no reason to be filled. But when you're moving, you're crying out, and you're trying to win people, and you're in the battle, and you feel the pressure, and you go, oh, fill me. He fills you. It's the extension of his kingdom. And that's what he Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. The power for carrying out the gospel to those near or far, like, like Derek, that's the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit of God happening to him right now. You guys are praying for him. Depends on the measure of the Spirit's presence. Every prayer for the power of the Spirit to be revealed should have its aim, as its aim, the power to testify for Jesus. As the number of believers increases who pray for the Spirit to, to fill us, the church will become strong for preaching the gospel to every creature. The, I never really saw it until Andrew Murray showed me this. It's, this is for war. We're in a war. We're in a war, and it's a wonderful war. We win it. When people get saved, it's beautiful. Right, Omar? It's wonderful, right? Friends, eh? Walking around, right? Going to ignore them. Honest. In my way of looking at it, evaluating it on the outside, with my own understanding, I said, this guy is not ready for the gospel. I walk by, and then all of a sudden he says, do you read the Bible? Do you read that thing? And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God says, you are wrong. This is the guy I want you to talk to. Your judgment is way off. See, our judgment's way off. All of us in this room, we really don't know what's going on in another person's heart. That's why we need the Spirit of God so bad. And a lot of us lean on our own understanding. Hey, who's with me? Oh, I judge so much, man. It's sickening. And I'm so glad God overrided it and he saved you. I pray that he will give us eyes, harvest eyes through the power of the Spirit. That he will show us people that we don't think should be saved. And God says, I've chosen them. That man that went, Ananias went to Paul, of Tar Saul of Tarsus. No, I don't want to go to him, man. He's killing everybody. Go, I've chosen him. I'm going to show you. And man, three quarters of the New Testament. Did Ananias know? You don't hear about Ananias no more. He was filled with the Spirit just to get Paul. You might just get a Paul. You just might reach somebody that will reach millions. The, the guy that saved Dwight Al Moody, that shoe repair guy, <laughs> he didn't know he was going to be Dwight Al Moody. You should read that story. That'll freak you out. He was filled with the Spirit, that guy. And he was afraid. And Dwight Al Moody came to the Lord. That guy reached millions of people. 
Billy Graham, same thing. You know, all through, we don't know who we're going to reach. The Holy Spirit does. It's an adventure, man, to reach out and grab somebody that's drowning in the sea of sin and just grab them. Somebody did it for me. Somebody did it. We wouldn't have been married today, would we? Somebody reached out his hand on me. And you have the same kind of experience. I know it. I can go to everybody in this place and I, can, I know somebody reached out to you. Somebody took a risk. It's true, eh? Is it true? Can I hear an amen? You, you, you too, Mike. Somebody reached out. Somebody did. Yeah. Grabbed you. Just, yeah. Picked you up out of the... It was a bucket of muck and garbage, man. Everybody. And God, and God used somebody, but it was his arm that reached down. Even this church, there's some that... Man, he just reached out. Amazing. That he would use us. Amen? Use the 12 apostles. No, no, 11. One of them blew it. Okay? But 11, all of them, I can honestly put myself in those guys. You know me well enough. You know how messed up I am. I'm like that guy, those guys, man. Peter, oh boy. I'll do it. He gets out of the boat, and don't knock Peter. He walked on water. That's powerful. Like nobody ever walked on water. He walked on water. If he would, I wonder what would have happened if he would have kept his eyes on Jesus. Would he have been able to walk to Jesus? Who, who say he would be? We, we, we can do amazing things, all of us. God wants to... Sh- just, but the only amazing thing, I think, the greater miracle that we can ever do, that Jesus said, you'll do greater things than these, is reach the lost now. Because Christ never did. He only died for the lost. We reach them. That's the greater miracle. Think of it. Christ healed. He did all kinds of miracles, but he could never see anybody born again because he had to pour the Spirit out. And it's the spirit that makes people born again. Imagine that greater miracle than Jesus. That's what he meant in John 14. You'll do greater things than me. That's what he had to mean. That, that's the only way you could take that interpretation. We're, we're going to reach people. Anybody I reach, I do a greater miracle. Not that I'm better than Jesus. Come on. But he said, greater, you'll do greater things. Reaching people. Reaching the lost. Powerful, man. If you have it, you have a testimony. If you have what I just said, you have, a te- you have an experience with Jesus? Yeah, you have a testimony. You could s- Nobody can refute it. Nobody. A testimony from God is, is when you hear Jesus. When you hear him. Okay? You have an experience with him, but you hear him. How many in this room? You know what? That's where it really gets heavy. Truthfully, some people will look at me, even in the Christian church, if I was preaching in another church, you know, some, maybe you guys too, will look at me and say, do you mean you actually heard Christ in the Bible? 
Have you, have you? Have you actually heard Jesus Christ in the scriptures when you were reading them? I should go around and ask people, everybody. It's really powerful if you think, if you, if you don't know, if you don't know, then you need to ask God, speak to me now. Jesus, speak to me. Because that's when it gets exciting, when he starts talking to you. If he's not talking to you, something's going on, would you say? Because this is a relationship with the living God. Through the Bible, he talks to us. When's the last time he talked to you? Come on, come on. Testimony, testimony. When was the last time Christ talked to you? Perfect. That's God speaking to him. You guys had it too. Anybody, everybody in this room, if you're a believer, you've had that happen. God speaks to us. He really does. Look at what it says to the lady. It says in verse 40, So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Because of his words. As soon as God speaks to you, you start to, you know, it creates faith. When it's from the Lord. When it's from God. Not from men. Most of my sermon, I would say 80% is miles. No, no, I'm giving myself too much credit. I would say about maybe 95% is miles and 5% sometimes is Jesus. But when it's Jesus, praise the Lord, you change. You change when you hear Christ. How many, how many people believe that? You, even when he hears, when Ryan it, he changed. Because now it creates a deeper faith. God speaking to me. I'll never forget, you know what? I was in 19, I think it was 19, that's going back, guys. I don't even, maybe, get, I was in 1986. I was working in a factory. And I was called uh, the preacher. But I'm working in this factory, and this guy, uh, it was, no, 1998, 1988. And I met this guy in a factory. He was a, I don't know, he just met him, and he became a, a, a friend. So I took him over to my house, me and my wife. And for two years, we're preaching to him, trying to help him. And he's frustrating me. This guy, I thought, this guy's never going to get saved. I'm going to give up on him. That's it. And on the day I'm ready to give up on him, it's about a couple years we're dealing with him. <laughs> and I, I'm at home, and I'm, that's it. This guy, I'm finished with him. He's wasting my time. I'm going to move on to the next person. He phones on the phone. I pick the phone up. He's Mel Trash. He's at the food bank in Rexdale. He's been there ever since. He's a, I don't know, he's a strong Christian. And I pick up the phone, and I go, hello? He goes, I got it! <laughs> Just like that. I got it! I, you got it? What did you get? And he goes, I got Jesus! Yeah, yeah, and they go, you got Jesus? What do you mean you got Jesus? He goes, I'm reading the Bible, and he says, when I read the Bible, he said, I came to the part where Thomas is doubting, and, he, and Jesus goes, put your hands into the wounds and into my scars, and then he says, stop doubting and believe. He says, 
that I heard Jesus say, stop doubting and believe. And he goes, I've stopped doubting and I believe in him. I go, really? Yes! I, was, I, almost, I almost went through the phone, man. I, I'm telling you, when I saw him, I hugged him. He's still following Christ. Real fruit. Real fruit. It's, it's a, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go bear fruit. Fruit that lasts. This lasts. When it's from God, and it's from the scriptures, and God uses his word, and he takes the spirit, it's forever. That guy I'll see in heaven. I'm only giving you one example, but that was a good one, man, because every time I see him, he's got a big smile, he comes and hugs me every time I go to Rexdale. Great to watch people come to know God, man. But you don't do anything. It's the word of God that does it. For, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. And God made you born again through the scriptures. Somewhere he said something to you and you came alive. Is that great? If you have that, if God has spoken to you like this, I'm telling you, your testimony gets greater, greater, greater. This is the purpose for a Christian's life. You miss this purpose, you miss everything. When you're not a witness, you've missed everything. I'm not talking about the gift of evangelism. I'm talking about witnessing. When you don't witness and you don't have that kind of experience with Christ or hearing Christ, the testimony starts to fade. Are you with me? You can come to church all you want. This does not strengthen you. This just this is like a, this is like a celebration that the real war and the strengthening of your faith is out there. That's why I want to get into the condominium. You pray for March six, March six, man. You pray for March six. I know, I know my, the way I'm built. That the more I'm in the fight, the stronger my faith gets. When I'm not in the fight, I just get you know slow, and I start to you know get really. Cr- it's awful walking with God like that. But when I'm in the fight and I'm crying out to God and I'm praying, He comes through. So those are two, eh? A testimony from God has an experience with God, a real experience, and can hear Christ or hear the Word of God. You have a heavy testimony. The third is you know, you really know that He's the Savior. I'm not talking about know about it and somebody else telling you, you know it. He's your Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my Deliverer. You know it. No matter what you get into, He's your Savior. You can't can't have a testimony if you don't have that. That's bedrock. You know, if you just listen to, you know, you know what really freaks me out? And I told uh, Abelina, this is what blows my mind. You know what really freaks me out? Is this. Let me read this to you. David Brainard was 29 years old. And he died at 29 years old. 29. And in 1700s, he still talked about, for 200 years, to all the preachers talk about this man. Why? Why? Why do people still talk about him and he's dead? Why do people read his books? Why do people get fired up because of David Brainard? I don't think they're going to do that for me. 
I'm just going to go and be with Jesus. You read some of this man, you'll see the devotion this man had. I just want to read something that where he knew the Savior. I'm not talking about knowing about the Savior. He knew him. When you know him, your testimony is heightened because people say, you really know him, don't you? Lost people look at it. Saved people. Keith Green, why do we still talk about him? Rick, Rich Mullins, why? Young guys, the devotion for Christ, they knew him. They really knew him. And they're not special. I mean, here, listen to David Brainard in his diary. This is his diary. And this is what he says. This is why you know him. They all, as one, seemed in agony of soul to obtain an interest in Christ. And the more I discoursed of the love and compassion of God in sending his son to suffer for the sins of men, of men, and the more I invited them to come and partake of his love, the more their distress was aggravated because they felt themselves unable to come. Now here, it was surprising to see how their hearts seemed to be pierced with the tender and melting invitations of the gospel when there was not a word of terror spoken to them. No hell. No, you're going to hell. Just that God loves you. But the power that was coming from David Brainerd melted to people's hearts because he knew the Savior. And when you know the Savior, something happens that God starts to really speak through you. It's just like when the apostles and they got put in prison, remember? And he says, these men, they took note that they had been with Christ. There's something about this that people recognize. You can't fake this. You can know about the Savior, but when you know him, people recognize this. And when you really know him, like Brainard, then it, it's lasted for 200 years and people want to know about this man. It's not just him either. It's Rich Mullins. Listen to this. When people heard Rich Mullins, they would say, this man knows the real Jesus. Only someone who has experienced the forgiveness and mercy of the redeeming Christ, here, listen to this now, could dare to be so open about his brokenness. You see, when you know the Savior like that, you don't care what anybody thinks of you because he knows you and I know him. My lover is mine and I am his. It doesn't matter what people think of me. And these men knew that. And when you know Jesus like that, you open up. And you know what? The lost, the best preachers that I think in my, what I would class the best preachers, open and transparent. When they open up, man, am I off? You melt. 
They don't want to know how much. The lost doesn't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. I end with this, okay? I end with this. Wherever you are and whatever you need, he is the, sh- the same shepherd that he was for David Brainard and Rich Mullins. We have the same shepherd. There's no favoritism. God wants to give you himself more than you can ask. But listen to this. The 23rd Psalm, the same shepherd is seeking to find, love, guard, guide, and bless you. The 23rd Psalm isn't just a beautiful narration. It's a living reality for those acquainted with its divine author. Years ago in college, I came across a story I've never forgotten. A social gathering in London an actor was asked to give a recitation. He quoted Psalm 23 with pauses, inflections, remarkable timbre of voice, a murmur of admiration ran through the crowd. An aged minister then rose to recite the same passage. When he finished, all eyes were filled with tears. Later, the actor approached the minister and said, do you know the difference between my recitation and yours? I know the psalm but you know the shepherd. May God help us to know both. And then you can say with me, come what it may, the Lord is my shepherd. He's enough. And he is enough. You know why he's enough? He died for us. This is enough. And do you know what? The worst thing you can do when I speak about David Brainard and Rich Mullins and Jonathan Edwards and all of the guys, don't compare yourself. Just be yourself. Come to Jesus. He'll make you something beautiful. He really will. You come and enjoy. I say enjoy. Ask God one thing. Make me a witness for you, Lord. Because he was a witness for us. He witnessed. He died for us. Come. God loves us so much, I can't even get my head around it. Let's talk about him then. You take your time. Enjoy. Come and enjoy with me.